this episode, Austin interviews Connor's dad, J. Michael Sullivan, about the experience of raising Connor, whether that involved Connor getting kicked out of summer camp or dealing yerba mate out of his campus dorm. Mr. Sullivan shares some thoughts on dedication in the face of difficulty and having faith in your kids. This is Radio Free Zion. I want to talk to your dad about what it was like raising Connor White Sullivan, man. That'd be fun. All right. You want to take over, Dad? Well, it's, it's, it was a, a process. <laughs> because Connor was our first one. So, okay. So we had no um, ideas of preconceptions of what raising a child was going to be like. Um, so yeah, Connor was our first one. and Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Oh, you mean... Like the beginning, beginning? When I was born? I was born. (laughs) Um, Or maybe the question is, why did we have Connor? So uh, I met Claire, my wife, in Ireland when I was basically a vagabond floating around Ireland. And I'd gotten a job in an architecture office in Cork. And... um, and are you from the states? Yeah, I'm. From, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I dropped out of school. Okay. And I had you know a little bit of money, and I went over to Europe with a bicycle, awesome. and and a sketchbook, and um, ended up in Ireland because I have family in Ireland. My grandmother was born in Ireland, so I was going to visit her her uh, my my distant cousins. And so I met Claire through a guy who was working in the architecture office with me. And uh, it didn't take long for me to say, get rid of your other boyfriends. Because <laughs> I think this is for real. And part of it was understanding that I had met somebody who I really wanted to have kids with. Okay. And um, because I could see that she was going to be an awesome mother. So I, and I, this is, probably the second or third date we had mm-hmm. and fortunately things worked out to the point because i came back to the states early uh we had a a a, um, a letter writing uh romance for six months okay and fortunately she was able to come over here and we got married um there are lots of wonderful stories about that and then <coughs> after seven years um, pretty much Claire would say I really wanted kids and I would say that I didn't really push it but she got pregnant with Connor and so like I said before Connor was our first one and he was he was um, a great baby you know he was, <laughs> was great up until then it was fine <laughs> well no he was he was he was a great kid uh, he didn't really start giving us trouble and he never really gave us bad, bad trouble. I mean, I had to pull him out of the police station, you know, a couple of times. And he went through particular phases of just being bizarre. Mm-hmm. Tell, but, tell me about Connor's bizarre phases. Well, well, I guess the first one I can think of right now is when he started, you know, dyeing his hair different colors. Mm-hmm. And that's not really bizarre for a teenager. You know, you've seen, but, but that it was getting kind of new at the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the funny story is taking him to an Irish-American family reunion, and 
he shows up and he's got sort of like this bunch of yellow hair coming out of his side. And these very conservative Irish American cousins of mine are coming up to me and saying, like, how can you let him do that? <laughs> and it was like, it was like, you know, and they're idiots, right? I mean, they just, <laughs> they just don't understand that this, I found it incredibly interesting. Sure. Did, was Connor given a lot of autonomy relative to, or was he just, you know, normal teenager in, in most ways? I, yeah, he was, he was, there were a lot of abnormalities about Connor as a teenager, you know, partly he didn't grow like he wanted to grow. Mm -hmm. And he was really, you know, he was really small and, um, both in stature and in, in body mass. Um, and that had a, a great effect on him. And he could probably talk to you more about that than I could. Um, but it, you know, he turned it into an amazing, wonderful experience when he finally got to high school because he became, he went on the wrestling team. Mm. I can tell you this story. You can tell us, sir. He's light, right? Um, he, goes, he goes out for oh, the wrestling. Oh, wow. You're really small. I wrestled at 112. 112. I have, at that time, I still really, right now, no idea what wrestling's about. Sure. How tall were you? 112 is like... Was, you were small. Yeah. Like 5'6", maybe? Five, yeah, that's how tall I am. So I you get it. And he was shorter than you at that time. Maybe 5'5". Sure. Yeah, and I am not 112 pounds, I'll tell you that right now. And he's also, he was also like a 13 or 14-year-old kid, never wrestled anything in his life. He'd wanted to go to boxing classes. Mm -hmm. And I tried, we had tried to find places to go boxing, and it didn't, never really worked out. So he... When he went to high school, the first thing he started was he joined the football team. And that freaked me out because he was so small. And I w was a football player. And I didn't, I, I, to this day, I don't think football should be played by teenage, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 year old people. Because head trauma? Knees, knees, or knees, knees, knees sure. primarily. I mean, head trauma is definitely important. But when you're young, you're, you're not fully developed yet. And your head can probably sustain a couple of concussions, <laughs> I guess, you know. Sure. But your knees can't, you know. So you blow your knee out and you're going to be traumatized. If, you know, that's another story about my other son. He had his knee blown out. Unfortunately, he went okay. Anyways, Connor goes off the football team, and I have this vision of coming to the football field. And his he wasn't good because he was so small, mm -hmm. and he was a freshman. But the coach put him on the kickoff team. And I saw him line up against this Gloucester team of mammoth human beings. And I thought, oh, my God, this is, this is not going to work. This <laughs> cannot work. And fortunately, the coach didn't really let him play very much. And fortunately, Connor <laughs> only played that year. And he joined the rest. Another side note, the football coach was also the wrestling coach. Got it. And so Connor started doing the wrestling coach. And this Rest, this coach is to this day a friend of mine. Okay, a, you know, and he, was he every, a friend before then, or only no, no. after that? And Connor, Connor is the reason. Every time I see the guy, we talk about Connor. He's always asking me about Connor because getting back to Connor as a um, a thirteen year old freshman on the wrestling team, small kid, didn't win one meet, not hmm. even close. You would get pinned within. That's not true. 30 seconds. <laughs> I was good at not getting pinned. I was actually good at not getting okay. pinned. Okay. Well, then I'll so tell you, you lose the, on the points. The first, I, would get, I would lose badly on points. Okay. The first time I went to watch Connor wrestle was the first meet, and it was against North Andover. Big. That's a really good team. Really good program. 
Freshman wrestling happened at the end of everything else. And wrestling matches are long. Mm -hmm. So I think I was there for probably four hours. Oh, wow. To the dedicated dad I am, I I wanted to watch wrestle. He got pinned in 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) He got pinned right away. And and so, and, and... but to, to, to Connor's credit, he, he, he liked wrestling enough, and I'll just give my own opinion on this. I think it gave him, it was a counteraction, or, or, or was a re, re, um, related to being light and small, mm-hmm. and to be able to self-defend himself. <laughs> so he stuck with it. He went to every practice. He went to every meet. Um, like I said before, he didn't win anything, but this the coach's name was Scott Conley, or is Scott Conley, and he presented every year a trophy called the Iron Man Trophy for anybody that came to every practice and um, went to every meet. And Connor got it. And the, in the night we got it, the guy, you know, the guy just commented on the dedication. Now, education at the, was okay at the school, but it wasn't great. But I think that that, and then Connor continued doing wrestling the rest of the four years. I don't think he won a match until he was a junior. He lost everything in, as, a, as a sophomore, too. <clears throat> but, and, you know, genetically, I also was a short, fat kid mm-hmm. when I was 13 or 14. And I, and my wife was freaking out. Like, we got a small kid. And, and she also has family problems with it. her brother was um, a little, was, was stunted a little bit. And I said, look, give him, give him a shot. Because when he gets to be about 15 or 16, my guess is he's going to start taking off. Is that what happened with you? <clears throat> That's what happened with me. That's what happened with Connor. 14, in a junior year, he became a serious wrestler and got some medals and was, you know, was res- a respectable wrestler. Yeah, learning that Connor was small was surprising to me. It doesn't, doesn't strike you as someone who was small growing up, right? Well, yeah, because he's not small me. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, How tall are you now? Six foot. Six foot. Okay. Yeah. No, he was definitely definitely a, a small looking. I mean, we he, we did Boy Scouts, mm-hmm. and Connor as a Boy Scout was a challenge. <laughs> it was definitely a challenge. Fortunately, we had in my mind a very progressive Boy Scout operation, but Connor did throw a couple of monkey wrenches in there, like getting kicked out of summer camp, <laughs> along with other star boy scouts that weren't supposed to get thrown out so it wasn't just that connor got kicked out he, he took the other ones with him he brought the other ones with him. now um I don't, the, 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 this is kind of a cute story because to give you an idea of what it was like to raise connor i get a phone call connor's gotten kicked out from uh hidden valley come up and get him what we did was i bought two or three bottles of wine <laughs> um, some bread and cheese, and we went camping for two days. Hmm. And you know, I, I wasn't pissed off because it was the Boy Scouts, right? I mean, was, <laughs> and he didn't do anything nasty. Sure, he he, you know, he did throw a monkey wrench into the into the camp because I think what you run away or no, we cut down the um, antlers above the art studio and then lifted it up on the flagpole in the main area. And then when they came running after us, we ran. And so by running, 
and not going back. No, no, no. Let me, let me, let me, let me. The thing that got 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 everybody in a tizzy is because they ran, they didn't come back to the camp. They couldn't find them. Mm. So it meant like the whole camp had to go down lockdown. Sure. And everybody had to go start looking for them. Actually, a bunch of us turned ourselves in, and then, um, but then because we didn't have the full set, Mm. and the full set stayed hidden for another two hours. Then we all got in as much trouble as the full set, but they knew who all of us were. So did you just go off into the mountains and... Just not in the... It came back at... What, it sure. came back after two or three hours? Yeah, it's, it's not like... Yeah. It's not like Utah. It's not like... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my Boy Scout the, camps were very different, right? Uh, yeah, okay. And it was the middle of the night, and, you yeah. know, they're, they're going to get hungry and cold. Sure. But... Uh, yeah, so I mean, after we, I, I didn't, we, my wife and I didn't, you know, like, so yeah, just, yeah, you get kicked out. Not a, not a huge deal, but like, well, you we can't do we that turned the whole, here. I, I, from my point of view, we turned, I turned the opportunity to go up to the camp and get them as an opportunity for us to hang out a little bit. And I drank the wine. I, he, I was, I wasn't, I think I gave him a sip or so too, but you know, we just hung out and then we went back. And I think I had to go, go to a couple of Boy Scout meetings to defend it. And, I, and I'm not, <laughs> did you quit after that? No, um, but I had been reliant on the, like, because the whole point of summer camp is you compress all your merit badges. Then. Right, you get all the merit badges then. So now it's like you're, so you're was, so far I was, behind. I was not able to make it to Eagle. And it got especially pissed at me because I asked if I could get partials on my merit badges after getting kicked out of <laughs> summer camp, and they were just insulted by this. Well, so, the, 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 I think we can all say that. Because I was trying to still make you. Yeah, yeah. But, you, but you, okay, as your dad, you weren't going to make you. <laughs> because I, I, you I, took I I so been. long to just get through second class, let alone first class, and then you got to do heart and whatever, life. I got to star. I got my to star. And I was most of the way through heart. But you made it to star after you had quit for a year and a half and, and even my other son, who was kind of like the prototypical Eagle Scout, he didn't make Eagle Scout either. <laughs> um, my mom got my Eagle Scout, so okay. well, that's usually what happens. Yeah, is if you have a parent that's just on top of the guy, zero percent chance I would have done it without my mom. Yeah, like, you, yeah. You, and my my grandpa, my parents are pretty idiots. And so that that's a very telling component because I'm I'm backing off. I'm not doing it for you. I'll, I'll if you want to work on something, blah, 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 but I'm not doing this. Hmm. And uh, Kyle, I don't want to digress too much, but Kyle was like on a, he was on a, an upswing to be an eagle before he even aged out, right? Mm-hmm. When he first started, he was like nailing it. And then, you know, as a 16-year-old male in this society, other things come into your life yeah. that are more interesting. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and so, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so. Um, those were two instances of, of uh, what, and then 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 fast forward a little bit. I mean, so so Connor was all you know because he, that's like quasi rebellious, but it's not like right. over any lines, right? And that's exactly yeah. what I would say Connor was about. He was he was a little bit rebellious, but not over any lines, and he was always entertaining, <laughs> uh, you know, in the way he would do it. He we would he went through a goth phase. I can see that. And I can see that. The most brilliant expression of gothism I've ever seen was a Boston Red Sox hat with a bunch of spikes coming out of it. <laughs> and, you know, it's still in our garage. It's, you know, it should be in the, it's in the Sullivan uh, Museum. <laughs> so then, then coming into what you guys know, as, as you know, Connor Moore, um, he goes to, you know, he went through the whole college thing and 
he ends up at UMass Amherst. And um, the first time I, well, the, the, not the first time, the first time I knew that Connor had something that I certainly didn't have, which is the ability to, to put a lot of coherent ideas together verbally, was when he talked in front of the school department and when he was 14, because they had, this is right around 9-11, they had canceled the exchange program to Germany. Mm. And he was scheduled to go to Germany. And he was understandably kind of pissed off that it wasn't happening. So he made a, a fairly eloquent defense about it. It didn't work, but um, fast forward to UMass. Um, as a freshman, he sold soda pop, sol mate, <laughs> which is some sort of herb that mm -hmm. tastes like shit. <laughs> they came in two flavors. Both of them were bad. <laughs> but they were really popular with the cannabis rights people on campus. Mm -hmm. And Connor s went down to this conference, comes back as the campus distributor of Sol Mate. So his dorm was dorm room was you know floor to ceiling with the cases. Of w was there a campus distributor program, or is that basically something you created? Like, hey, let me go sell this. Oh, oh no, it was totally out of his bedroom. Oh, oh. Yeah, come. Yeah, you need to give context here. Yeah. Here, sorry, lean All right. Okay. So the, the story for there was, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, we're good. Um, so the story there was, uh, I had gotten a uh, another kid who didn't go to the conference. Like there were basically there was a class that was going to this natural products expo conference, and I started auditing the class, and. Um, but I think I hadn't even audited the class yet. I got like, but I got connected to the teacher, and he was like, "Yeah, if you come down." So I, I went down, and my name was like Hussein Alamari was like the name on the name tag, and like, <laughs> um, but I just went to the trade floor, and yerba mate is this like, you know, yeah, uh, yeah it's a it's a Brazilian thing, and they had this this energy drink, and it was a it was a startup. I did, like didn't really know about startups, mm -hmm. let alone that you could have a startup beverage thing. And it was like three three German guys in Canada um, <laughs> that had just gotten like distribution through, through Whole Foods or something, and um, I spoke German because I did. We did. I did eventually get to go to Germany, but okay. um, uh, only once instead of the two that was was supposed to happen. But um, but yeah, so I uh, I just like started chatting with the guy, and you know I was like, hey, you should let me like market this. And I'll do like the, I'll figure out your marketing campaign and like all this stuff. And he was like, no, 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 no. But I kept emailing with him and I was like, he was like, okay, I guess if you, uh, like we, we don't, we don't have distribution, we can't, we can't send you any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I was like, well, what if I rented a U-Haul truck and I went and picked it up from your distribution center? And he was like, fine, if you get a loading dock, we'll send you a truck full of these things. And so he just, he, I'd never got paid by these guys. Like <laughs> I made up a title for it. But they sent me like two thousand dollars worth of the the drink, um, but then because I didn't have an EID number, I couldn't actually get it distributed on any of the or, or employer identification number mm -hmm. or any of these tax things. So I couldn't actually sell it wholesale to any of the local places. So I just ended up like selling it out of my dorm room for like <laughs> you know a dollar or a dollar fifty cash. a bottle for cash. <laughs> yeah, um, and and then I ended up you know there was a brilliant <clears throat> barter economy where where most of the <laughs> income actually came from was like but um uh but yeah like my my thinking was because it was both a stimulant and an appetite suppressant 
um, that I was like, this will go it's over well for college, for especially for the weed people. So mm. I went to the Cannabis Reform Coalition and gave a speech, <laughs> and I was like, here, like this is you know, this is your drink. Like we're gonna you know, and that that ended up leading to a bunch of people who were really into the drink. So yeah. And the, the reason I bring it up is um, that as I was saying, watching Connor interact with other people. Oh, the best part was convincing the, the UMass dining services so we, to we let go, me use their loading docks. We that go, was, we that go, took like a whole, I just read Dale Carnegie and I applied everything to Dale Carnegie. <laughs> I like literally right. was textbook Dale Carnegie the entire So the university let you use the loading docks? No, 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 to no, 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 the, 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 the loading dock guy. The campus directing. Got it. Yeah, the, like the dining services director. Just was like, yeah. I'll so we were, we were leaving the, the student. The, and the, I got all my friends to help me unload it. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, we're, le we're leaving. I was out there visiting, and we go to dinner at the student diner, the dining hall. And as we're leaving, Connor introduces me to the guy at the loading dock. <laughs> and the guy just complimented Connor and said, you know, he's just he, he's really well-mannered. And as a parent, that's what you want to hear from about your kids, you know, that they're interacting favorably and nicely with other human beings. So that was – and Sol Mate, he – those I didn't know that story. That you just about. But <laughs> wow! For some reason, the guy who controls the loading dock is a big fan. I don't. I don't know why. Because it was pretty. It, yeah, it, it was the cannabis rights awesome. people, and it was we had sold mate in the house. It was terrible stuff. <laughs> I did see it for sale once in Whole Foods, but not for very long. Do you still drink it? No, it's not yeah, around. You can't. You can't. Uh, I mean, mate in general. No. No. It, that was the first time I started having sleep problems. Because mm. I had just gotten prescribed Adderall and I had an endless supply of energy drinks. Yeah, it's not ideal. Don't always produce the best sport. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so there are a lot of stories like that. Next one had to do with um, his pretty much the first startup, which was called Soapbox. Mm -hmm. It became Localocracy. And, um, which became Localocracy. And, and uh, like, it kind of, this whole anthropology thing was part of this whole Monty thing, but. Somewhere he got into this entrepreneurial program or group of people. He didn't go to business school. He didn't, didn't, he didn't go to business school. But he got into this entrepreneurial group, and I met a bunch of them, and they were all pretty savvy people. They had pretty good ideas, a lot of ideas that I've seen come to fruition. But most of them had scientifically-based ideas, like how to turn solar power into compost and, and you know, run outhouses. And there was a competition to be able to, to go pitch your idea to a bunch of other startup, former startup people or business people. And they would give reward, awards for how good your operation was. And Connors was the only kind of social media one that was up there. And, um, you know, he got, he got like third or fourth prize or something like that. But I remember sitting there sit, watching him do his elevator pitch and wondering what genetic, <laughs> where did this come from? Because it didn't come from me. And yeah, she is my mom, uh, my mom, um, <laughs> my wife is a, a debater and she's a very eloquent speaker. So Connor, you know, and, and this is really one of the first time. Connor also did mock trial in high school. I sort of skipped skip that over. That was a number, number of really eye-popping experiences to watch him um, do mock trial. And the, the school did pretty good with mock trial. But, you know, then there just escalates from there. Mm -hmm. And 
you know all of the other stories are just in the early 20s it was just bizarre because the stories were just so bizarre you know selling a local democracy and this huffington post business and all this other kind of and then there the stories of the motorcycle you know they're just insane but they're incredibly entertaining <laughs> and you know has made parenthood while i had that opportunity to do it incredibly incredibly a fun thing to do yeah so that's what it was like to to be connor's dad what did you think when he was doing um when he started you know hey i'm starting a company and it's going to be a tech company did um and it eventually ends up getting bought was it by aol that bought it i guess huffpo which was owned by aol or i don't well you know know, we we had a lot of inklings that it wasn't a fly-by-night stupid idea Mm -hmm. um you you had a guy at at, at the Knight Foundation, that I can't remember his name, but he was, he was, um, you know, Connor had picked some mentors who had their they had their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. The the Pointer Institute, you know, Connor wasn't a journalist. They gave the local accuracy some sort of reward, mm-hmm. and I remember listening to it on the 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 computer, and you know they named local accuracy. But, you know, Connor was not a journalist. Right. So, But there are real signal from totally. serious <coughs> institutions that totally, it wasn't, totally, totally, totally. wasn't a joke. Yeah. So it wasn't hugely surprising to realize that it was going to get uh, acquired um, because we were kind of on that tra- traje- the trajectory. Um, yeah, so that, and then we kind of lost him because then he moved to New York and lived there for with Huffington with the Huffington Post operation and um you know that's pretty much what he came home after college lived with us for a while and then got a place in Dorchester for a little bit did you graduate you graduated right no okay. but he came within a hair's breadth of graduating <laughs> uh-huh. he, he he attended the graduating ceremonies <laughs> we have pictures in our house with a cap and gown <laughs> you got a cap and gown that's one hack yeah <laughs> yeah it, I think it was because you didn't turn in your thesis yeah, yeah. Does it bother you that he didn't graduate, or do you not care? Me? Um, well, uh, there, yeah, there are many times I say, would you just get the freaking <laughs> thesis done? I mean, I mean just, just, you won't have to think about it more. But at this point, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Oh, for sure. I mean. I don't know if it meant more to Claire than it meant to me. It, from my point of view, I, I, I'm an architect, and it took me a long while to get licensed. And being licensed is much more important than having a college degree. Sure. But, you know, in my sensibilities, it was just a, a really good thing to get done. Right? Sure. Right? And Knock so it out. I, I kind of felt the same way about college diploma at that point. If, you're, if you've spent the last four years doing it, just do the freaking thesis and get over it. But, you know, you, you can take the horse to the trough, but you can't make him drink. And so <laughs> at one point you say, fuck it. If you don't want to do it, don't. Okay, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So then, then Connor is uh, in New York. You have money a little bit. Um, and you're just working at HuffPo, basically. That's well, pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how how do we get from there to I mean, what, what was the experience from there to Connor starting Rome and uh, buying a compound in Southern Utah? And <laughs> um, well, I, I, when he went to Huffington Post um, and he had some money, uh, you know, it, it's Connor's life. 
Right? Yeah. So um, there weren't. Uh, I've often told Connor, I'm not going to give you advice unless you ask me for it. Um, and so hmm. he's uh, he's got money. He's 22 years old. You know, do with it what you want to do. Yeah. And I. Uh, he's better he's he would tell you more about what he did i know he traveled a lot um started i don't even know when he started when go through rome i know that we went through um you know at this point we're looking at what mate is going to what what hmm. mates he coming home with so we went through various iterations of that <laughs> um, and then he went to India for a while, and you know, so at, at that point, you sort of you, you, you let your kids go. Yeah. And um, you know, yeah, from both of my boys, um, you, it's it, it's not something that keeps me up at night because they're intelligent human beings, right? I'm not worried about them. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. You know, to they'll say. figure it out. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So after HuffPost, after he left New York, it was. And I did pretty much the same thing, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm out of here. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going someplace. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I used to get a lot of grief from my wife about that because I would get, he's taking after you. He's just like <laughs> you. He's doing this, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, right. That, that's not a problem for me. Right. Uh, and so, getting to here, um, like I was saying before, you, you, you know, success just doesn't, doesn't happen like that. You see someone work really hard at it. You see somebody dedicated to it. You see the little feelers are happening. And um, I'm not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure where that genetically happened either because <laughs> my wife's not an entrepreneur either. So that is really important because I'm learning about that mindset from my son. Hmm. And um, I, like I said before, he was our first one. We had no... Um, criteria to base it on I have no criteria to base on whether Connor's going to be successful or not other than what all the things I've told you about and knowing him he's my son that I've been able to watch grow up so I had lots of confidence in it but more importantly I guess I had and I, maybe I've never told this to you just you know admiration for the tenacity and the willingness to stick to it and and, it, and you know he knew that was happening yeah so we lived through you know, the days when he was living in a trailer, we didn't like it, or the or the pickup truck. Um, but like I said, you know, they they're they're free to make their own decisions, as long as you have some confidence that they're going to be able to figure it out. Yeah, and so, there's never like a concern. Oh, he's not going to be able to support himself in the long run. This was at a maximum. It was a stage. Of course there is. Right. Of course there was. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean you, you know, you always. The, the the you know failure can really bend people seriously out of shape if if you have to live with it for a long period of time sure um so you know you you worry about that but um you know you have to have faith yeah and um fortunately everything i've been talking about for the last 10 for 10 minutes gives me a fair amount of faith in an individual that's going to somehow figure it out Mm -hmm. um but that concern about how your children turn out or what they do that doesn't i don't i don't think that changes on ever 
hmm. you know, ever. I mean, I don't, I, I have a great deal of faith that that, that, that Connor's going to be a good dad, but you know that weird things can happen. Yeah, weird things can happen. Life, life is a very unpredictable thing. So you you go into it with as much faith and love as you can. Yeah. What did you think when? I mean, so after a while, Rome was up and running. Um, I think Rome got profitable. Like after you launched, launched it. Did it get profitable relatively quickly? It like took us a year to, to build the payment setup. <laughs> but one, we were we were making a million dollars a year within a month of turning on payments. And it was just you and Josh, and you're doing it a million a year in revenue. We just hired one person. Okay, uh, so I mean, so yeah, like like um, very we got, profitable. We got to we, I spent all the money that I made at HuffPost, mm -hmm. even though I was like. So you're now yeah, you spent all your money, but now you turn on payments. Well, and then and then we had three years after I spent all my money. <laughs> um, so I went down to zero personally. And then we were there for three years, basically making 10K at a time, and then we're like raising 10K, having to go three to six months, then get another 10K, go three to six months. Got it. So you're raising little angel rounds here and there, live on or that. Just like Not even round, like. Two friends will give me 2,200 bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, okay. Um, and we did that for three years, and then we launched, and then we were able to raise a little bit because we knew we'd be profitable as soon as we turned on payments because the numbers were there. And then we turned on payments and we were... And you've been profitable since, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's just yeah. grown. Yeah. And then what was it like when you heard about the whole Utah business? Well, that's funny. <laughs> very funny. Because based on the way you just phrased that question, uh, we were looking at college campuses in New England uh -huh. You know, and uh, we were looking at ranches in Texas, <laughs> and we were, had digested the concept, right? That sure. There was gonna so be you know that Connor's going to go buy some piece of land somewhere and do something. Well, he's always done this uh, kind of jintoist thing, which is getting <laughs> people together to talk about things, right? Sure. And so it it uh, it made sense to me, and um you know i was excited about it because the whole notion of buying a small college in new england and, and, and fixing that up and i'm also an architect so i'm thinking wow this is this is something we may be able to have potential work together oh this house must be interesting to be in well, as I'm an not, architect I'm, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this house um i love hanging out here but as an architecture piece you know i'm not hugely appreciative of it so the whole notion of this compound it was understood but the Utah thing came out of nowhere. I mean, suddenly it was like we go into radio silence with Connor for like a week and a half or two weeks or three weeks or because we're thinking Texas. And my wife is a real estate agent, so she's when she gets this, she gets totally pumped, and she's like getting in contact with people in Texas. So she's looking outside of Austin for yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I, and you know, selfishly, I'm thinking I'm looking at places got streams on that, and I'm thinking <laughs> horses and all. Oh, this is gonna be this is awesome. And so this Utah thing comes along, and I'm seeing this. I'm gonna. You've heard this. This, this is a, a McMansion, right? It, it's oh, very much so. Yeah, like a a very, very, and I, almost first, explicitly and admittedly a McMansion. And I thought, fuck, <laughs> this is not what I had in mind. And then I took a look at the pool, and I said, wait a minute, this is starting to get kind of interesting. And I'm looking at it strictly as, as you know, wow, this is really kind of. First of all. I understood that Rome was taken off and that the ability to be able to do these kind of things was going to be there. Um, so 
you know, if it was, if he bought the house he, he, he's walking through and he show, you know, we're showing me this, the coat of arms, and it, you know, <laughs> the, this, the, cro the, the swords here. I'm like, what the fuck? Is this? <laughs> but it was, it, it was his stuff. Sure. Um, and then, but it was Utah and, um, I'm looking out the window, and as an Easterner, I'm just <laughs> so pumped about being out in a place that looks at this stuff, and I do like the world, so I wanted to come out really badly and see it, and I, I'm, I thrilled about this area. You know, Is this your first time here? No, we, I was out in May, okay. and it was a, not a great trip because there were too many other family members, mm. you know, and the, there was just way too much chemistry, um, but... I was able to swim the pool. Pool was nice, and I was able to go on a couple of hikes, and I and went to Zion, and it was it was nice enough for me to say, I want to come back on my own, and so that's why I'm here now. Very cool. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. And you know, and Connor was going through at that time that you know business was bizarre, so we really didn't see him very often. Yeah. Um, which didn't bother me as much as it bothered some other folks, who came out like my wife. She wanted to hang out with him. Sure. Um. But I'll tell you something right now. I would definitely think that she should come out here for her birthday on her own. And, um, yeah, so the Utah thing was bizarre. But, yeah, if, um, you know, as, as you've been listening to me, you know, bizarreness is not an unusual thing. To <laughs> you expect it at this point from Connor. Um, yeah, within, with, and I'm expecting more bizarre things <laughs> to happen, which, you know, it just makes, makes my life that much more interesting. Yeah. Right? I mean, selfishly speaking. As a spectator. In, yeah. I mean, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you haven't asked a question like, what's it like to suddenly see this success fall on your son? Sure. Um, uh, it's just great. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just uh, you know, uh, 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 being able to share uh, his success and, you know, uh, help us be a little bit wealthier as a family. Yeah, I was going to say, and you're an, an investor in Rome, correct? Yeah, but, you know, why not? Sure. I, I mean, you know, um, the, the the interesting thing about that question is, um, it would, Connor, there were times when I said, should we invest? And he would say, no. Mm -hmm. But then he got on the phone one time and said, yeah, now hmm. it's time to do it. So, you know, uh, and we just did it. We weren't sure if it was going to work. Sure. You know, there's. Um, I'm interested to hear from Connor. What what point, like, was this after payments were turned on, or was this before? Like, what what signal did you have to know that you know you would feel confident telling your parents I, to I, invest? I, um, we were growing forty percent week over week. Okay, forty percent week over week growth. Or like you know, or month over month maybe, but like. On what end was it? On on people using four or more days per week. Oh wow. Um, and so. I was not about to take their money when I thought it was at risk at all. Right. But then... Because money to Silicon Valley people, it's very different than money to like... I wouldn't take their money when we had none. I wouldn't take their money when we were really broke and no one would invest. Right. right. As soon, and I, I brought them in when we also raised a round of like 750K from other professional investors. Sure. And I was like, okay, you can roll into this because your money's going to be a lot safer. This is real now. This it's protected. Now. Now, it's, now it is not a product market fit question. Right. This is definitely going to work. So come in. Now that it's a real round, now you guys can Right. Come Let in. me. Well, because I was, they had to dump their 401k a bunch. Right? Oh, and wow. So it was, 
I, I only was willing to take their money when I was more confident in Rome than the entirety than of the U.S. Economy. anybody else was. When oh, the economy. sure. I was not confident the economy was going to do well. I thought this was right when COVID was starting, and I was very worried that the U.S. economy was So net-net, you're going to beat the S&P in but Rome. I'm gonna beat, I, and I was also like, you're going to beat the S&P by a good amount. By a lot. And so on paper, it worked well. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so the goal is, <laughs> the family goal, I've got, Kyle lives in Chicago. And Connor's made it clear that he doesn't want to come back to the East Coast at all. Well, that's not true. Well, that's, maybe, I, this is what you've told me. This is where I'm at today. Okay. This is my goal, knowing what I know. Connor's staying out probably somewhere other than New England. Mm-hmm. And I love New England. Mm-hmm. And Kyle loves New England. And so I want Kyle to move back to New England and have his kids in New England and Connor have his kids wherever they are and be able to split my time between those two. <laughs> but I definitely, you know, that, that, and that's, my, that's my dream. That's cool. Uh, you know, I would, I'd be happy buying a double wide down in Harris. If he stays in here, mm-hmm. I'll be happy to buy a double wide in Harrisburg or wherever the next time over just to come out for a couple of weeks and look at what i'm looking at and walk i mean right now it's not there there are bedrooms here <laughs> well yeah but he well, likes the sure well i also like my own space sure, right right sure, sure. Am I, you, know, you should and, talk about being a hermit <laughs> being a hermit <laughs> yeah well you know co- uh, yeah uh, th- we were just we were talking last night about um uh, just you know covid COVID's somewhat responsible, but I'm not an exuberant person, right? I'm, I don't go out. Neither my wife and my wife and I pretty much like spending Saturday after Saturday evenings watching TV and eating dinner in front of TV. We don't go to parties very often, mm-hmm. so I guess that's kind of what a hermit is. Because I'm, and I'm not a super successful architect because I'm not a big schmoozer. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what we're getting at is really the tolerance of yeah, petty talk, I guess. No, no, no. Let, me, let me phrase this. Let me, I want to like, give you some credit. The, the realization I had last night when I was picking up from the airport was I, it sort of clicked with me that it is kind of weird that, you know, in his 20s or, like, you know, early 30s, at least as my mom tells it, he was sort of like the life of the party. He was a high school football player. When I was growing up, he would be just – he would just read old books and do origami all the time. And his only – friend was this really weird guy down the street who was you know a pretty they were like the uh waldorf who were the two muppets the angry muppet guys oh oh saster and wardorf or whatever like they're they, well, they're marley I, and Mar- I, marley I and marley marley, marley and marley from the muppets yeah um like but that's them watching the patriots yeah <laughs> like they're just yeah I, i'm not the kind of guy that goes i can't i don't play golf Right, because mm-hmm. I just spending four hours with somebody that I don't know just <laughs> is not what I want to do, and um, I don't play poker with guys on a Saturday night. So I'm just more I've been more interested in what happens in my house, and you know, kudos to my wife Claire is an incredibly entertaining, intelligent human being to hang out with. So you know. I mean, that's really cool. You just want to hang out with your wife, right? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, nothing that, wrong that, with that. That's kind of, that really is, a, I think, the best answer to why I... We also have a huge family. So and when we get together, we do have a lot of family that we, that we hang out with. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I, I'm not a... I'm not a um, 
But I do. It's kind of funny you say when you go to a party, you're, you are the life party. It still happens, and it surprises me <laughs> because I'll go to this party that I don't really want to go to, and halfway in the middle of it, I realize that the fuck everybody's talking to me, and I'm the one that's doing all the talking. And it's, it's a, do you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? Um, uh, totally, I, I, I'm somewhere in between. I okay. mean, I would say I'm more of an introvert than I am an extrovert because I don't go out to you know, being an extrovert suggests that you're going there and I don't put myself out to um, you know get to know other you don't people. seek it out but when you're in that situation yeah. you're comfortable I mean Connor's right I, I'd be perfectly happy hanging out and you know doing whatever I mean I, there's a lot of funny little things I'm, I consider myself a little bit of a toy maker when I'm not doing architecture hmm. if you went up to my office there's like wood ships over here there's planes flying hanging there's rope work over here there's a little origami over here a couple of music boxes over there so it's almost like a toy store hmm. and you know it, it, i could have envisioned myself as just being a toy maker in another life hmm. and it's literally santa claus <laughs> yeah right, totally 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 yeah and i would say santa claus is not an extrovert because no. you know he sneaks into the house <laughs> and he leaves before anybody knows he's there but he leaves a lot of good shit behind and that's really what i like to do kind of was asking me why i like doing origami or all these little things it's to make people happy with not an ex with the kind of time economy i have i can't spend a lot of time doing elaborate toys so you make these funny little origami things and you put them in a the mail and somebody calls up and says, this is just, thank you so much. It's kind of sweet. And that's incredibly rewarding. That's cool. That is cool. It is cool. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar, I realized. Surprisingly similar. You mean you yeah. you can sit at home and play with build software products and people yeah. appreciate it? And people and love it and I don't have to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> I make a bunch of people happy without having to actually meet them. That's interesting. You know? Yeah. Like, and I, you know, we can have an awkward conversation about how much you changed your life, and then I can be like, great. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, TED Talk was interesting. What What happened there? Um, he went to a uh, Bruins game somehow, got some tickets to the Bruins game, and he met somebody, and he did his elevator. The elevator pitch is kind of cute. They're kind of fun, fun stories. So he did the elevator pitch to this woman that said, okay, let's do the TED Talk. And um, the first time I heard TED Talk, about TED Talks, I had taken, I picked up Connor at UMass, and what I used to do is pick him up and we would just go camping. We'd go further into Western Mass. But before we'd go camping, we'd usually stay at a cheap hotel. So we were staying at a cheap hotel and he, he turns on the TED Talk on his computer and he introduced me to this whole, that had just started. And so when he came home and says, I, I got, I'm going to be doing a TED Talk in Boston, I was really, really impressed. And then they picked him up in a freaking limousine. And oh, that, wow. And that impressed me even more. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then he went down and did this TED Talk. And um, it was interesting in his time in Boston because that's when he started messing with uh, MIT and Harvard people. Mm -hmm. And um, we all... Uh, I've known Connor that had the ability, he, 
that he's always had the ability to be a student at MIT or at Harvard if he'd ever applied himself to it. <laughs> I'll tell you, a, a, you know, a, a family story, a, a personal story. The first time he got like a D as a sophomore in school, I said, well, you can kiss MIT or Harvard goodbye. And I took so much shit from that, from my wife. <laughs> it was like the most important statement he ever said, though, I think. And it was 100% true. Sure. 100% true. But I turned it around after that. Right. So the, the beauty of that time that he was in, in Boston was, and I went to this TED Talk, um, a couple of kids from MIT came up. I met them before I went in, and they had known you. And, you know, they were saying, you know, they were just saying good things about you. And then the other funny story that I'll tell you, tell for you, was the literal elevator pitch that you did at Harvard when there, now I, I probably have the story wrong, but I'll tell you, to tell it from my point of view. He's doing, he's some, probably some business oriented thing. They're giving an award for the best elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. And, um, they go through all the Harvard students, and I think at the end they said, is there anybody else that wants to throw, you know, give it a shot? And so Connor said, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And so he gets up, and he wins, right? <laughs> and he wins like $500. And he comes home, and he's just, he's, my wife, he was so happy. I think I was probably asleep, but Claire was still up, and he goes, Mom, look at this. And, you know, I did this. And to all of us, it was, and I think I'll speak for you, it was an affirmation that, yeah, you are of the same quality of intelligence that those people have because they're in the institution, but, you know, you're not in the institution. And I know that you would agree with me there. I'm glad you didn't get into the institution mm -hmm. because it, you would be part of the institution <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Do you know what Tinker Toys are? And like tinker Toys okay. are what kids played with before Connects. Okay. So they're made of wood, they're little discs, you stick little posts in the side of the discs, they're in the middle of the discs, and you make these crazy things. And, <clears throat> and this is where, you know, and like I say, like I'm a toy maker, I'm all over this kind of shit. So, so I was playing this with this stuff with Connor when he was pretty young. And um, he starts putting this, these, he, he did do his invention time, and he would put <laughs> the, the, he would, he would, it started out with connects, I mean, it started out with Tinker Toys. It progressed to Connects. Um, was there another thing that we did? Can, can I think the Connects were the big, big We did make big Connects things. We made big Connects. Anyways, um, he's doing this invention kind of thing, and um, uh, during the course of the conversation, I said, you know, the, the MIT is a place where they really do the, the, a lot of inventing. And he goes, I really want to go to school there. And I said, great. Um, why don't you write him a letter? <laughs> and he's probably seven, six. six, seven, and he, you know, he writes a letter to MIT. Black crayon. Yeah, it's <laughs> and it's like a kid's scrawl. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not quite sure what happened to the letter. They we they sent, sent it. They sent me back a brochure. <laughs>